And welcome on in to the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey filling on in for Zach. Welcome. Appreciate you joining us for this Monday edition of the Zach Gelb Show. Where else? Right here on CBS Sports Radio. A loaded show still to get to here right now. If you like defense and if you like punts, because hey, punters have families too. This Eagles-Buccaneers game is the one for you. Just about 11 and a half minutes or so left in the first half. It is Eagles 3, Buccaneers nothing. These are the drives we've had so far. Bucks got the ball first, punt. Eagles stopped on downs. Went forward on fourth, got stuffed. Buccaneers punt, Eagles field goal, Bucks punt, Eagles punt. And now the Bucks looking to make any sort of headway here. Now the ball just past midfield facing a third down. So it's been a lot of defense. It's been a lot of punters um, right now featured in this Monday night contest. And it's been a lot of nothing. A lot of nothing so far. The Eagles have been dominant in the sense that they've had the ball a lot. They've been at least putting drives together now. It's not equaled outside of one field goal any points. But they have at least put together some drives where the Buccaneers, up until this past one here, have not had really much going. Baker Mayfield, big pass now down inside the 30-yard line. So, hey, Bucks, a little life, just as we say that right now. Start to move the ball. We will keep you updated on that Bucks eagles game all show long. And getting set here to kick off from Cincinnati in a few minutes, Eagle, uh, excuse me, Bengals hosting the Rams. And that's where I do want to kick off this hour by talking about the decision to have Joe Burrow play. He's officially active, and Joe Burrow, despite the calf injury he hurt last Sunday against the Ravens, he is now set to go to start this game. It's not 100%. The Bengals and reporters have not been shy to point that out. I'm looking right now on ESPN, and they're kind of zooming right in on his calf. So everyone knows it's a big storyline. Obviously, everyone knows he's not fully healthy, ready to go. But I do think the Bengals playing Burrow tonight is the right move. Even though you are absolutely risking further injury, you are risking Joe Burrow missing significant time if this calf does get worse by playing tonight, you potentially could lose him for the season. If he steps the wrong way tonight, and let's say, and and is out there before he really should be. But even with the risk, even with the chance to make this calf injury, which, again, is serious, don't get me wrong, but in the grand scheme of things, not anywhere near as serious as a few injuries he's either suffered already or other players have suffered. It's still the right move by the Bengals to start him tonight. Because while it's a risk he could miss significant time and end the season, it's a bigger risk if you are the Bengals to not start him. Have Jake Browning be the starter now for Cincinnati, lose to the Rams, and fall to 0-3. That is the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario is not Joe Burrow hurting himself, hurting himself further, in this game tonight, the worst-case scenario is losing and going to 0-3. And obviously, hurt or not, Joe Burrow still gives the Bengals the best chance to succeed and the best chance to win. But your season is over. We just had Marco in before when he was just giving a sports update about a half hour ago saying that if there was one team he thinks could, could, potentially dig out of an 0-3 hole, it is the Bengals. But that said, since 2020... We've only seen one team that started 0-2 make the playoffs. That was the Bengals last year. But 0-2, here's a hot take for you, is a lot different than starting 0-3. 
You start 0-3 this year in a very tough division, I would argue the toughest division in the NFL in the AFC North, and you start 0-3 in what is a loaded AFC conference, you are done. Hot take, Kiki. You are done. No hot takes here. That is the truth. That is facts. I don't care how good Joe Burrow is. I don't care how good Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and this offensive line and this defense is for Cincinnati. You start 0-3, you are done. And so this game to me is more about keeping your season alive than it is trying to prevent Joe Burrow from getting hurt worse. Look at the standings. It's not too early to start looking and scoreboard watching if you are a Bengals fan. Look at your division. Look at the rest of the AFC. In your division right now, if you fall to 0-3, you are looking up at three teams that are 2-1. and one. Ravens, Steelers, Browns, all 2-1. and one. Again, very tough division. And right now, when you play two division games and you're 0-2 in those two games, you're not digging out of an 0-3 hole. That is a high, high bar to climb. And I think a mountain that's impossible for this team this year to be able to summit. But again, you're right. You don't have to win your division in order to make the playoffs. Seven spots, three wild cards. It's got to be good you know, than most other teams, and you can get one of those three wild card spots. But you look at you know, around the AFC right now, every team but two. Have at least one win. The two winless, Broncos at 0-3, and right now the Bengals at 0-2. It's not like the rest of the conference is off to a slow start. It's like the Bills are slow out of the gates. Oh, they're 1-2, and and the Dolphins are not playing very well, and the Chiefs are uh, okay, but no one else in that division is any good, and even your own division, it's like, okay, the leader's 2-1, and but there's... 1-2, 0-3 1-2, and, oh and three teams around. Like, you're not in that deep of a hole. You are looking at, for the most part, a lot of playoff teams getting off to good starts. You are looking at now, again, a conference where all but two have at least one win. Have been competitive. So if you're the Bengals, you can't afford to right now be already in a deep hole and have that hole get even deeper. Which is why for me, on the Bengals, I look at this schedule coming up here and I look right now at my matchup. You have to play Joe Burrow. And they're doing the right thing in starting Joe Burrow. Big risk that calf could get worse. He could be out months, maybe the season. But I think a bigger risk is sitting Joe Burrow, resting him, but losing tonight. And by the time he's fully healthy, have your season be long over. For me, the risk of playing him is greater than the reward of getting healthy, let's say, in week seven or eight. But by that point, in week seven or eight, you're playing for third place. You're playing just to play. Keep your season alive, and they're doing the right thing by playing Joe Burrow. Manny, doing a great job filling for me as producer of the Zach Gelb Show, as it is Ryan Hickey filling in for ZG on this Monday. You think it's the right decision to play Joe Burrow tonight? No. No? No. Why? Because if there's one thing that I have learned since I started paying attention to injuries, the injuries <laughs> what? The injuries that seem to be minor 
but take forever to get better are oblique injuries and calf injuries. Them running the risk of playing Joe Burrow right now, further re-aggravating the injury, great. They can go one and two tonight, but guess what? They'll end up you know, without Joe Burrow for the rest of the, of the season. If I were the Bengals, I probably would have waited another week, another two weeks, and just make sure that that calf strain is okay. Because, again, calf injuries take forever to heal. And there is a fear, right, of the calf injury turning to an Achilles injury. Yeah. Right, we saw Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury in training camp. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, popped his Achilles week one of the season. But even with that said, like, the good thing, at least for Joe Burrow, is the fact that he is not a mobile quarterback. And the fact that he's not running around a lot, he makes a lot of his plays in the pocket. So you're not going to be running a lot. You're not, you're not Lamar Jackson. You're not Anthony Richardson where your legs are a big part of your game. You could still afford to, I'll say, be immobile. You can still afford to sit, for the most part, in the pocket and still be effective and still make plays and not have it impact you know, your playing style or playing ability versus other mobile quarterbacks that do need their legs to be a big part of the offense. That's fair. That's a fair point. You know, it's not ex- he's not exactly Daniel Jones running for his life around there. And but but yet I I'm still hesitant. I am still hesitant because yeah, he might just hang around in the pocket, but you know, throwing off of that leg, if he is forced to get out of the pocket, if he is forced to 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 make something out of nothing, uh, it's just a it's just a risk that I'm not willing to take. That game kicks off in just about five minutes or so. We'll keep you locked in here right here on CBS Sports Radio. The Buccaneers were driving. That drive stalled out, ended in a field goal. So 3-3, Eagles-Bucks deadlocked at a field goal piece. Eight minutes, 33 seconds left in the first half. We'll keep you updated on that game. We'll keep you updated again on Bengals-Rams. That's about to kick off in now four minutes um, as well throughout the next two hours that we're on the air with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. But also on the flip side, Manny, for this game, this is a tremendous chance for the Rams here to truly put themselves and give themselves a massive leg up in the NFC playoff race. Like, you look at the, before the season started, not a lot of people were high on the Rams. Humble brag, I got to do it. I was a believer and did pick the Rams to be a playoff team. So far, one and one Not celebrating, not popping champagne, but definitely off to a better start than I anticipated. And now when you have Cooper Cup on IR for the first four games, depth being a question, having guys like Puka Nakua step up and fill the void and break rookie receiving records we've never, you know, seen broken before. You are able, whether it's ugly or clean, whatever it is, You, if you are the Rams and able to get a big win here in Cincinnati, go to 2-1 on the season. You play the Colts the next week where Anthony Richardson right now is still in concussion protocol, so that's a favorable matchup if Gardner Minshew is still the starter for uh, if that's who the Rams are facing next Sunday. You could be looking at Right now, without Cooper Cup, again, for a team that I picked to make the playoffs because they have high-level talent but not a lot of depth, to lean on that depth, to possibly, I would say, bare minimum if they win tonight, 2-2 two and two after four games without Cooper Cup, maybe 3-1. and one. You're jumping for joy. That is absolutely outstanding. And now when you look at their upcoming schedule where they play the Seahawks, they play the Cardinals, they play the Steelers, Cowboys, Packers, with how the Rams have played so far this season, those are every single game, including the Cowboys, is a winnable game. And so now you took what looked to be a challenging schedule before the season. Now all of a sudden, you already have a win in Seattle. If you're able to get a win in Cincinnati here and go to 2-1 and one without Cooper Cup, 
you were in the driver's seat for securing one of those seven playoff berths, and you are now going forward here, able to rebound, able to bounce back after what was a down 2022 season coming off the Super Bowl. So this is a massive opportunity, not only for the Bengals, but for the Rams. Now, with that said, I do think the Bengals are going to win. This is the more desperate team. They obviously, again, their season's on the line tonight. That's why for me, I do think the Bengals will be able to put it together. I am, again, a little worried about Joe Burrow's health, but I think he, he's going to be tough enough and gritty enough to fight through it. And the Bengals will do just enough in this game to get a home victory and go to 1-2 and two in the season. Close game, I'm going to say 24-20. Bengals over the Rams, go to 1-2 and two and save their season. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey. And the number three is where you can get me on Twitter. Who you got tonight? Rams, Bengals. Is it the right move, despite Joe Burrow's calf being hurt, to still play him in this game in what feels like a do-or-die game for Cincinnati season? 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll get your thoughts on tonight's Monday night game. Also, when we do return right here, Ryan Hickey in for Zach Elb. Got to give praise to not one, but two head coaches who had gutty, impressive victories on Sunday that no one thought they would get. Well, shout out Shane Sykin. Shout out Jonathan Gannon when the Zach Elb show with Ryan Hickey filling in returns on CBS Sports Radio. Look how far we have come. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Elb on this Monday. We have made it. Two hours and 20 minutes and 35 seconds to be exact. No cursing. Look at us improving. Who would have thought no cursing so far? But that's why you guys stay tuned for the last hour, 40 minutes. Who knows? A lot of time to slip up. A lot of time to slip up. But no, no, we are kidding. This is a family-friendly show here. The FCC would find me, and I do not have the funds to pay for cursing on the air, so we will not do that. Uh, That is for sure. Also, what I will never do, is be a quarterback in the NFL. I mean, for many reasons. Plenty of, of physical limitations, mental limitations. I can never process all that information. Plenty of reasons why I can never be a quarterback. But also, toughness limitations. Jalen Hurts, on a third and 10, drop back from the Buccaneers' 45-yard line, looking around, looking around, sits in the pocket, gets drilled. As he's throwing the ball down the field, gets absolutely drilled in the side. And throws an absolute dart. 40 yards down the field. Finds Zacchaeus at the five-yard line. Perfectly dropped in uh, uh, over the head of an underneath defender. But below, again, a defender that was over top. Dropped it right right in the bucket for a 40 or I guess now technically a 39-yard touchdown pass. But that was incredible from Jalen Hurts. Gets crushed as he throws the ball. Does deliver a touchdown. So look at that. For all the defense, all the punts we had so far in the first really quarter and a half of the Eagles and Buccaneers game, we do have a touchdown. 10-3 Eagles right now. Three minutes to go right before halftime. Buccaneers do have the ball. Now, the other game that just kicked off, Bengals at the Rams. Bengals got the ball first. Joe Burrow looks decent. He's not moving around a ton, but did complete a few passes. Did get the Bengals into... Field goal range, and we just had a missed field goal from Evan McPherson. So the first drive for Cincinnati comes up empty. 0-0 right now. Just about four minutes into that first quarter of that game. Matthew Stafford about to take the field. 
But yes, Joe Burrow so far does look again relatively for as much as you can look healthy so far in this game where he is playing with a bum calf. Um, he's not 100%. And so far in that first drive, three of six for 27 yards, not rolling out a ton, which again is not surprising, but at least is able to run an offense and was able on that first drive to get them in a field goal range. I know it's a risk if you are the Bengals and starting Joe Burrow. I think, though, it is the right move because right now I think the bigger risk is sitting Joe Burrow, losing this game, and, and having the season be over at 0-3 versus playing Joe Burrow and risking his injury getting worse and him missing significant time. I'd rather risk it, put him on the field, and, and frankly hope he doesn't get hurt versus play him uh, versus, excuse me, sit him, try to get him healthy, but by the time he comes back healthy in a week or two, the season's already over and you're playing for nothing but third place. 855-212-4227. That's just my non-medical opinion. We do, though, apparently, do have a doctor on the line. We go to Joe in Pennsylvania, who's on CBS Sports Radio. Hello, Joe. Hey, Ryan Trace Hickey. What's going on, man? Hey, in no way am I a doctor. I used uh, to work in a lot of orthopedic surgeries. But let me start. Wait, you said you do a lot of orthopedic surgeries? I was an assistant. Oh, assistant. For an orthopedic okay. surgeon. Okay, I mean, that's more credentials than I have. So let me start off by saying, hey, I love you, brother. I, I prefer you in the shower. <laughs> but let's, let's say. Thank you for I support, Joe. I think Zach Gell busts your balls too much. All right. I can, I can, I'll relay the message, Joe, right? How about that? All right. Sounds good. Anyway, um, dude, your boy Manny was right. Uh, that calf on Joe Burrow is going to turn into Achilles any day. The really? more they keep playing. You're worried, Joe. Yeah. I, well, no, I'm a, I'm a Ravens fan. But oh, I have a Are you rooting for it, Joe? Are you, are you rooting for it to get worse? To be honest. Oh, no. I mean, no, oh, no, oh, I'm not. I was going to say, thank If you're going to say yes, please, just save yourself. No, but if they keep playing them, it's going to pop. I mean, I guarantee it. So it's not worth it. And I don't know. What are the chances, Joe, in your undoctor, unmedical opinion, what are the chances that this calf injury gets so bad that his Achilles pops? Look what happened to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, the chances are high. I would say 75%. Wow. High bar. That's just my non-medical opinion. All right, Joe. Playing him on turf, and they keep pushing him through. And then the other thing with uh, Derek Carr, so he's got an AC joint separation, right? Or a partial separation. That's the acromioclavicular joint. Now we're talking. And dude, those are painful. I've had one. I was a weightlifter in the past. Those happen all the time, and they suck. You popped it out lifting weights. Yeah, so it happens all the time. Bench press? To, you know, bench press, you know, shoulder press, anything like that. You're going to, you know, it'll it'll become uh, displaced. Oh. So it's not, yeah, it's, it's a separation is what it's called. Interesting. So he, he's week but, to week, Joe, and you're not medical opinion. What are we saying here? So, I mean, it's going to be rough. He's going to have to put that thing in a sling and rest for a while. And if he comes back in two weeks, I'd be surprised. Throwing shoulder too. Honest with you. 
All right. Hey, Joe, I appreciate the non-medical insight. appreciate you being a big fan of the Zach Gelb Show and appreciate your support for my shower videos that has... It's not done completely. Heck, uh, it was, um, excuse me, Shower No Cap was my little video series of me giving takes in the shower because, of course, like most people, the best thoughts always come when you're in the shower, so might as well just let them rip and let them go. So appreciate your support there, Joe. Got to bring him back. I've not gone in the shower. Well, I have showered. <laughs> I say I have showered. I have showered. Although I will admit it was a, yeah, I've showered, including today. So everyone, marketers looked at me. No one, no one worry. I am clean, ready to go. But I've not taken a video in the shower in a long time. That's what I should have said. So maybe I'll bring that back. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. But, um, yeah, I just barely put my foot in my mouth there. Don't worry, Marco. I, I do shower. But we just had a call with Joe in Pennsylvania who's a big fan of the shower no-cap videos. So that was more the context. Congratulations. First fan. That? Usually people say enough of those. Oh, uh, I actually meant on the showering, but okay. Uh, okay, well, that too. <laughs> that, that, that too. That too. All right. As I try to get the show back on the rails here, as a reminder, stream. The NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone restrictions do apply. Okay. Got to bring him back. I've not gone in the shower. Well, I have showered. I say I have wow. showered. Manny, calm down there. A little too quick on the on the replay there. Sheesh. Sorry for doing my job effectively. And be worse at your job, right? Do what I do. Do the job badly, poorly. Sheesh. You're gonna make me look. I'm clean. I promise. <laughs> I promise. And. Look, I mean, working in radio, it's not like you have to be. It's not a prerequisite. Some people take that literally. I do not. I take pride once in a while. Although I will admit, for I will admit, it was a little bit of a grimy weekend this weekend. I showered Saturday morning. Didn't shower the rest of the day. Sat on the couch all day Sunday. Did not shower. So this morning was the first time since Saturday morning. I don't think you I should felt, share that. I felt gross, I'm going to admit. I felt gross, but I was too tired last night watching Josh McDaniels go for field goal down eight. How many possessions was that? Was he down? Uh, he claims down eight. Was, he was down multiple how many? possessions. Multiple. Mm. But Manny, this is why I have Manny in the show. He enlightened us that down eight in the NFL, you actually can score eight points on one drive. Yeah, it's not that difficult. You score a touchdown. Then the NFL gives you the option of running or passing the ball instead of kicking it. And if you succeed, it's two points. Six plus two is eight. I don't know. Is that is that a new rule? Is that 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 wasn't a rule always. That that's gotta be a new rule. I, I think it was a mm. post pandemic thing. Mm. <laughs> Part of the playoff expansion. Here's a new scoring rule. Let me I ask mean, you this. I've been saying this, Marco. Is Josh awful. McDaniels the worst head coach in the NFL? Do you know right now? A head coach worse than, well, some Raiders fans are calling him McDip, you know what. I just called him McIdiot. But Josh McDaniels, to call him his proper term. Top of my head, um, the only other guy that right now, right now is in the running for me, again, without looking at the teams and, and breaking it down, 
Robert Sala is is definitely in that category. He's in that conversation. Okay. I would I would give Robert Sala I don't say the benefit. I think Robert Sala is a better coach in part because I do think he is a little bit hamstrung at quarterback from when he's been there. And at least, I mean, look, when you're playing one-dimensionally with your defense, you are at least you're at seven and ten. You know what? This is what I give Robert Sala credit for. At least he has his side of the ball taken care of. I know as a head coach, you are responsible for everybody. I get that. At least to his credit, he is the defense of side taken care of. For Josh McDaniels, he's an offensive guru, allegedly. This offense is not very good. You have a lot of weapons at your disposal. It's Devontae Adams and nobody else. You you have, you know what bothers me the most is you have Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr great? No, he's not. Is Derek Carr the worst quarterback in the NFL? No, he's not. You got rid of, you were so excited to get rid of Derek Carr. And then after Derek Carr left, had no plan A, B, or C. He went mid to mid. He did. He basically swapped out Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo, which is exactly the same. Now, he may like Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit better. Maybe Garoppolo listens to his system a little better than Derek Carr. Less pushback. I don't know. But you're right in that regard. The reason why I look at Robert Sala and why I'm so disappointed going in, I get you lost Aaron Rodgers. We all know you lost Aaron Rodgers. We know you're up against it. I understand all that. I realize Zach Wilson is a terrible option and should not be an option, and he should have already pulled the trigger to go to Tim Boyle, and you go, who the hell is Tim Boyle? That's not the ant. That doesn't mean anything. It's, it's He's not Zach Wilson. But my biggest gripe, when you go into a football game, even if you don't believe in your quarterback, you have to let him throw the football. You have to. You can't walk in and think you're playing either Little League or high school football where you go, we can win 3 nothing. You can't. Okay? So at some point, you can't tell me all the lip service of, I believe in my quarterback, and then run the ball on first and second down into an 11-man box and then throw it on third and eight and just say, please don't turn it over. And then afterwards say, well, we didn't turn it over. We were okay. No. You're a loser. Mission accomplished. That's a loser mentality. You walked into the game assuming you'd lose, and if we just don't turn it over, maybe on some miracle we can win. No. You come in and you try. I'm not asking you to, you know, move the earth. I'm asking you to try. And Robert Sala is not trying. That's a problem. That I have an issue with. I get your frustration, and in part the reason why I guess I'm not freaking out is you're going from a bad option to a bad option, kind of similar to McDaniels going from car to... Grapplo, but obviously 30 times worse. I get it. But last year, they actually had a spark with Mike White. They did. Now, let's be fair. Mike White. What is the difference between Mike White and Tim Boyle? Nothing. You know what the difference is? <laughs> it's a Zach big Wilson. difference between Zach Wilson and those guys. You know why? Competency. And that's what the Jets need right now. You tried for excellence, and you failed because Rodgers got hurt four plays in. Now you need competency and being able to game managing is not run the ball twice and then throw it away on third down. It's actually making some plays. The only way you can do that is if you open up the playbook and you allow him to play the game. They're so afraid of Zach Wilson and they've made him so gun shy and scared that he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He doesn't know if he's coming or going. And he just hopes that, you know what, if I don't throw it, if I don't throw it anywhere near the field, maybe I won't get picked off. You can't do it. You can't do it. You clipped his legs out from underneath him. You can't play football like that. At any level, you can't play scared. Robert Sala has instilled fear into Zach Wilson, and then he's afraid to then pull the trigger to go to Tim Boyle because he goes, well, he doesn't throw it as well. What's the difference? Zach Wilson throws it better in practice? You don't throw it in the game. What's the point? Either let him play 
or put him on the bench. Where I do think Salah has McDaniel's beat is, now this is hypothetical, I don't think Robert Salah would lose to Jeff Saturday in a game like Josh McDaniels did. I don't think Robert Salah would lose in a game in which the opponent had a quarterback come into the building 40 hours before the game started. The <laughs> opponent you were playing, the broadcaster for the game, was there in the city longer than the quarterback was. Baker Mayfield got to L.A. for the Rams on, like, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Kirk Herbstreit discussed his day. He got to L.A. like Tuesday afternoon. The broadcaster was with the team longer than the quarterback that hit Baker didn't start that game but played 95% of it. Then, then he was, you know, Kirk was there longer than Baker was, and you still found a way to lose. You had five double-digit halftime leads. You blew four of them, and the only one you won, you literally had to have Jacoby Myers throw you the ball in order to win the game. I'm also biased. Again, I'll be completely honest. I'm a Colts fan. I still hate Josh McDaniels to this day for right. reneging and now, honestly, looking back, blessing in disguise that he did not come coach the Colts because that would have been way more of a dumpster fire than anything I've seen in the last few years. So, if anything, I should be happy that he uh, he backed out, pulled the coward move, but he is I get it. Brutal. And, and I have no dog in this fight because I don't care one way or the other. I don't root for any of these teams. But I still feel like we're basically choosing one disease over another. Both of these guys right now are in and over you, their heads. That I would agree with. They're in over their head. You know, and McDaniels is proving it time and time again, and he did it already with the Broncos. Robert Sella, I thought we were going to find out what he was by having a good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and seeing if he could put it all together. I'm seeing more in these couple of weeks where when you're dealt adversity, you need to respond. And right now he has responded with crawling into a shell and saying none of this is my fault. That's a problem. Now I question your leadership skills. I didn't know what they were. Now I know what they are. Awful. I need you gone. That would be my, if, if I'm a Jet fan, that would be my reaction. I was okay with living out the season. You lose Aaron Rodgers. It's a kick to the gut. You figure out what it is. You knew Zach Wilson wasn't the answer, but Rodgers will be back at some point. You've got other pieces in place. Now I look at it and go, I know I can't win with this coach because any sign of adversity, we're going to crawl into a shell? No. Rally the troops. On the total opposite end of the spectrum, really fast here. Two coaches I think deserve a lot of credit. Jonathan Gannon, Shane Sykin. Both have done, mm-hmm. so far, marvelous jobs in the situations they were handed where, in Sykin's case, he's been dealing with a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson and a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew going into Baltimore with no starting quarterback, no starting running back. Remember, Jonathan Taylor is still not playing for the Colts so far, and no starting center win that game in overtime. And then Jonathan Gannon, who... I truly thought the Cardinals were outwardly tanking where you uh, you cut Colt McCoy right before the season, bring two random quarterbacks in, including Joshua Dobbs, like a week before the season, have him be your starter, worst roster in the NFL. And to Gannon's credit, despite the cringeworthy social media media videos we have seen, he has these guys playing hard. They've had fourth quarter leads uh, all three games. And now you beat what was most people thought was the best team in the NFL through two weeks in the Dallas Cowboys at home. And you kind of controlled that game for a large part of it. Gannon's been tremendous. Steichen's been tremendous so far. Both big wins yesterday. And both legitimate, early, early, but both legitimate coach of the year candidates. No argument. D'Amico Ryans gets a little bit of credit as well. What he's done with C.J. Stroud and what they did yesterday against Jacksonville. Uh, For me, Gannon's the one that I'm the most surprised about. Because, again, the way it started. I mean, we all saw the videos, and I get it sometimes. It had Adam Gase-level 
cringe written all over it. He couldn't even talk to the players one-on-one with the camera rolling. It was like, do you know how to speak English? Like, it's like robotic. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, but it was almost to the point where it was like, you, you're going to actually inspire these men? Like, you can't even have a conversation with them. And they're looking at you like, what the hell is wrong with you? That concerned me. I thought that this had an Adam Gase-level disaster written on it. And far from it. Far from it. And he's had a lot of chips stacked against them. They've had a lot of up against it. And they have played hard through the three games. And they played. They flat out outplayed the Cowboys. From they the did. opening kickoff, they outplayed them for the entire 60 minutes. That's impressive. And I know the Cowboys are probably feeling themselves a bit after two blowout wins and, you know, look ahead on the road for, yeah, whatever. Still, you got to take advantage. The Cardinals not only took advantage, they took their lunch. That That's a hell of a job. That they did. Two games left in week number three. Chaos happening right now, both games. So here to get you updated on all of it. And in a busy Monday in the world of sports, with the latest CBS Sports radio update is Marco Bloody. Zach's taking on the most polarizing issues in sports. Which side of the line of scrimmage will he end up on? Offside. Defense number 69. It's Onsides, Offsides with Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. But as you know the deal, just because Zach is out does not mean the show grinds to a halt. Onsides, Offsides, time. I will be answering the questions. Manny Rodriguez doing a great job, Pruston, tonight. We'll be asking them. Manny, what we got? All righty, Ryan. It was a thriller between number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame, as the Buckeyes scored a touchdown with one second left to win 17-14. to It was a slog for both teams on offense as the score was 3-0 at halftime. To Kyle McCord's credit, he orchestrated a 15-play, 65-yard drive to win the game. Onsides or offsides? Ohio State impressed you with their win over Notre Dame. Offsides. Offsides, Manny. I did not think they played well whatsoever. Offsides. They won the game, right? So let's not pretend this is a loss. They won the game. But when you watch this game and you watch this game in the eye of, okay, you still have Penn State and Michigan on the schedule coming up here in a few weeks. Do they look like a team that could hang with some of the top teams in the country? The answer is no. Kyle McCord... At best, was shaky for 95% of that game. Offensive line is not very good. Defense struggled at times, especially in the fourth quarter. They got bullied by that Notre Dame offensive line. To me, I watched that game as more of Notre Dame lost it, not Ohio State winning it. So they won the game, credit to them. But in terms of being impressed or thinking this is a national title contender or even the best team in the Big Ten, I would definitely go offsides. And as a reminder... This portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Suck in a timeshare and one out. Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. That is wesleyfinancialgroup.com. All right, Ryan, the Dolphins' offense is off to a scorching start this season. They just dropped 70 points on Denver's head and have scored 130 points through their first three games, the second-highest total in NFL history. Tua Tagovailoa has thrown for 1,024 yards and eight touchdowns, while Tyreek Hill leads the league with four touchdown receptions. Onsides or offsides, this Dolphins' offense explosiveness is sustainable. Onsides, I think so. This is like what they're doing is not smoke and mirrors. What they're doing, led by Mike McDaniel's genius, is putting players in position to succeed. 
They are putting Tyree Kill in motion. Why do they put him in motion? Because they realize this is the fastest guy on the planet, and it doesn't matter how many guys you have to cover him, if you give Tyree Kill a running start, no one is keeping up with him. That has worked to perfection. You have the ground game now that's starting to really boil to head and starting to gain some traction. You have Tua Tungvaluwa, who has played throughout most of his career under uh, and behind, I should say, a bad offensive line. Has been sacked so far through three games one time. One time. You have tremendous, you know, possession receivers like River Craycraft and Braxton Berrios. This is legit. And by the way, those 70 points, Manning, mm. done without Jalen Waddle. He did not play because of a concussion. That's right. So not a flash in the pan. This offensive explosion, sustainable. All right, Ryan. Many massive matchups went down in college football over the weekend. As number four, Florida State escaped Clemson in overtime. Number six, Ohio State won on the road at Notre Dame. Number seven, Penn State dominated number 24, Iowa. That's right. Come on. That's right. And number 10, Oregon smoked Colorado. In the latest AP poll, the top three teams are Georgia, Michigan, and Texas. Onsides or offsides, Georgia is the best team in college football through the first four games. Offsides, Manny. I don't think so. I would go right after I had an AP vote, which I do not. If I would, if I had a vote, I would go Oregon one, Washington two, Texas three. Because those are the teams that either have a nice win, Texas on the road at Alabama, or been flat out dominant. That's the thing. Georgia is barely getting by. South Carolina is not very good. Michigan right now is struggling with some cupcake teams. Rutgers, they were, I mean, it was 14-7 into the third quarter, and Bowling Green, they struggled with as well before pulling away. Um, you look at, like, you look in right now in a in a year where there's not been a lot of separation between, let's say, teams 1 through team 11 or 12. They have, for the most part, all been kind of on that same level. I would say right now, for me, the, the two best teams in college football are both in the Pac-12. Oregon and Washington. They have dominated their opponents. You could argue they played no one, but I'd also argue they took care of business. They beat teams the way they should. Smoking them. Outclassing them. Not many other teams right now can say that. So Georgia right now, best college football team through four games. I'll go offsides. Josh McDaniels is under heat for his fourth quarter decision to kick a field goal down eight instead of going for it on fourth down. Trailing by eight with 2.22 left in the game, the Raiders kicked the field goal to make it 23-18 to instead of going for it on fourth and four at the Steelers' eight-yard line. Steelers proceeded to milk 159 off the clock, punting it back to Vegas with just 23 seconds left, needing a touchdown to win. Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick, and the game was over. Onsides or offsides, Josh McDaniels made the wrong decision in kicking the field goal instead of going for it on fourth. Onsides. Let's just do simple math, Manny. Two minutes, 22 seconds left. You're down by eight. You're on the Steelers' eight-yard line. How many chances are you really going to get that are that great? So if you kick a field goal and you're down by eight, then you go from down eight to down five. You still need a touchdown. That's right. You're right there. Go for the touchdown. Try to get the two-point conversion. If not, okay, then you still got a chance to get the ball back, get a stop. Defense did not get a stop enough in time. That was horrendous execution, even a worse uh, explanation after the game. Offsides. All right. Lastly, in a day filled with surprise victories, the Texans upset the Jaguars in Jacksonville, winning 37 to 17. 
C.J. Stroud was tremendous, throwing for 280 yards and two touchdowns. Stroud didn't turn the ball over one time or get sacked as the Houston offense racked up 366 yards of total offense. Onsides or offsides, C.J. Stroud has been the best rookie QB through three weeks. Onsides. I give a lot of credit. I think Anthony Richardson has surprised many folks, including myself as a Colts fan, with how good he has been, but Stroud has been better. He's doing more with less. He's staying healthy, which so far for Richardson and Bryce Young, they both can't say that after they missed week number three. But he's winning behind a bad offensive line and not great players to throw the ball to. He's been better than I thought. I thought Stroud would be the worst out of the three quarterbacks. This season, so far, through three games, he has been the best. Okay, when we do return here, it's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. Through three weeks... Who has been the biggest disappointment in the NFL? We'll discuss that when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for ZG on CBS Sports Radio.